You're listening to the Ute Preview Show with Hans and Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Here it is, your Utah Preview Show. We are live at Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray. Come down, see us. We've got some jazz gear that's still left on the table. If you want to come in and grab a jazz shirt, feel free to do that. Hanging out with Christian Cox, former Utah defensive end, good friend. I've missed you, bud. It's pretty incredible to get back on air with you. Do we just become best friends? Oh, we've always been best yeah, friends. That's true. Since uh, going all the way back to your playing days, that 2008 season was the second season I covered on air. I remember. Having, having my, uh, my morning show at the time. I actually listened to you. You had, a, you had an old show, the, the Red and Blue show, for a minute, too. You crossed over with. Yes, I did. Me and Dave Rebel. Yep. Uh, did you cross over with Dave at all? No, I I, I knew Dave just because he'd come around the program, but I, I I didn't play with him. No. How about Joe Giannone? Joe, I did. You know? Joe was my Joe was my first. That was the first person I basically saw post mission. He's a scary oh. a scary linebacker. <laughs> I was a two thirty person pre mission. Came home, I was like one ninety five and skinny. Paul Kruger says to me, "What do you play, receiver?" <laughs> and Paul and I were the same age. I'm like, oh, you stayed in the States. You could lift. I had to walk the streets. Yeah. And then Joe Gino, you know Joe. Oh, yeah. He's crazy. Shaved head, scary, probably from Fresno, California. Yeah, a little tough, out of his mind. Tough. Uh, but him and Sly, and that was the crew I first met. The reason I asked you about Joe, I was going back through all of the great Utah linebackers, Stevenson Sylvester to Joe Gianoni to Paul Gioni, G- Paul Gianni. Mm-hmm. Johnny uh, Paul. Johnny Paul. Mm-hmm. I always get Joe Giannone mm-hmm. and, and Johnny Paul. But anyways, you go back through all the great linebackers that the University of Utah's had. Is Devin Lloyd the best? Devin might be the most athletic, and he is putting himself as to be one of the best, if not the best, linebacker at Utah. I said that and it's, is it, it's, not, it's not clear cut yet. I, I, think it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear. It's, like I don't think there's been – in terms of skill set and raw talent, I don't think there's been a, a more skilled linebacker than than Devin Lloyd. I Sly will hate this if he's listening at all, but I said, hey, he's he is he is a Stevenson Sylvester with some actual athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> and Sly was Sly was really athletic. Sly Sly had some bend and some burst to him, but again, Devin Lloyd didn't play linebacker in high school. Like he played receiver. And he's a freak of nature, and he's six four, two thirty five. Can now he can pass rush off the edge. He's very smart. He's a great leader. I I haven't seen someone as skilled and as athletic as as a linebacker in my time watching Utah football. There's been a lot of good hitters at linebacker at Utah. Some really tough linebackers who make the right plays and fill the gaps. But in terms of pound for pound raw athleticism, who can pass coverage and blitz off the edge there there isn't anyone like him he's incredible and i think that he has been i want to say that okay so he is the steady force he is the best player on that defense but he was the steady force and the best player on that defense from game one when we're talking about this defense and its resurgence its push its movement since that san diego state game mika tafu in my opinion is the motor that has really turned this thing around. And I said earlier in the year, I said, where is Mika Tafu? I think it was game three or four. 
he is one of my favorite players. Maybe it's because I play D end. I know what's expected. He's actually he, he's built a, a lot. He's like a you. senior. Yeah. He's he's you know he's a six three six four two fifty mm-hmm. type, but he's got a great burst. But you weren't getting another edge rusher, right? Fillinger's kind of come along. I think you yeah. need bookend rushes. You can't have just one dominant rusher off to the left. And there was times you saw they brought Devin Lloyd against USC. They're blitzing him off the edge as a D-end. Mm-hmm. I think you've gotten better production with, with – They were Phil- doing that with Bishop too. Yeah, and I think they we're getting better production with Fillinger. But I, for me, it's the mix of Putu Tau and um, the kid out of Taylorsville who had the um, – who's the who's the, D, the D-tackle. I think the D-tackles are playing the, the, the four they, they rotate through. I think they're playing much, much better. I think it's Tofuna or Tofuna. Um, those, that's why this defense is more complete. And again, I think the back end is just the, the Utah's defensive backs have been so good for so long. You just kind of forget, right? They're they're making great plays, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's 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 not as deep of a defense as you would want. But the stars are there, and again, they make plays when they're supposed to. And I think Mika Tofua. He's obviously a captain. He's a leader. He's the guy who has to show up. And if you're going to bring Devin Lloyd on blitzes off of the the strong or weeks on the on the strong side, um, then you have havoc. Because if you're bringing Fillinger and Devin Lloyd and a Sewell and you have Mika Tafua just blitzing off of the 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 weak side, it's a problem. It's been fun to watch some of this youth. Some of the guys that I didn't really know their names sure. coming in. Cole Bishop is one. Yeah. That, you know, he's a safety, but he's a safety outside linebacker hybrid yeah, that was definitely. now moved to outside linebacker and used at the line of scrimmage and rushing. And how about Creeny Reed? Yeah. Another linebacker that's come out of nowhere, and, and I go to find out that he's one of my old teammate's sons. Really? Yes. Yeah, my old teammate Spencer Reed, who was a linebacker yeah. for us in that 1996 Cotton Bowl season. I remember. That's his son. He played with uh, old Shea Mirbrook back did. in the day. It was it was Spencer and Shea, shoulder to shoulder. Because if you remember, I had my cousin. His name was Matt Cox. Who That's played right. with you guys way back when. Yep. Listen, that was your best. How old were you when you were watching that? I season? was I was eight or nine or ten. Was uh, that, uh, if you want to, uh, I'm not. Uh, that was the Utah preview. This is the Utah preview show. Yeah. That was BYU's best team ever, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. The Cotton Bowl team. Oh, I fully agree. With it you. was the best team they've ever had. I absolutely agree with you. But, yeah, that's Green uh, Reed is Spencer. No, stop it. Nobody needs the cattle prod. Lloyd has the cattle prod. And he's cattle prodding Frank Dolce, who's been doing the preview show. Oh, sure. Because Frank gets off on tangents, and Lloyd will. Yeah. I'm not, we're not tangenting, Lloyd. We're talking about Devin Lloyd and how amazing. Yeah, you got to keep yeah, it on did. Utah, though. You, you yeah, we go into BYU a little bit. So. I didn't go into BYU. I don't even enjoy that was a strict cattle prod, I don't even enjoy the team. I listen. I'm Utah through and through. I'm just. I'm I just don't want to hear the tweets. Okay, I don't want to start seeing the tweets coming in and be like, "Hey, talk all to right, Utah. I'll say, uh, all right, whatever. Well, anyways, Karini Reed is the son of a former BYU great. And he's come along. You mentioned Van Fillinger. The other one is Xavier Carlton. Yeah, he's he's really had kind of an uptick in production. You mentioned Tafuna there in the middle, and he's had. Some he's really athletic, moves. man. That 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 fumble recovery he had against Oregon State, like yeah. that is it's magic in yeah. reality. Like I don't know many D D tackles who can have hands on the sideline to get one foot in and recover a fumble on the go. So listen to this. And, Christian, you were asking where is Mika Tafua through the first three games. I was asking the same thing. I, I, I wanted to see his production. He's now got himself up to seven and a half sacks. Um, and Jeez. I don't think he had a sack through the first three games. No. 
So he's one of the top 20 in the country right now in sacks. And he leads the team by half sack. Devin Lloyd's at seven. So they're 14 and a half sacks between the two of them. They've jumped. They've made a massive jump. Right now, this Utah team is number three in the country in TFLs per game. They're at 7.7 TFLs per game, up from maybe two or three through the first three games. It was a frustrating start defensively. They're 17th in the country in sacks per game. How about this? They're 10th in the country in avoiding sacks. Now that Cam Rising, you did a great job breaking out up why, but or breaking down why, but Cam Rising adds a completely different layer as an offensive lineman. He adds a different layer to the sacks. And this is why you talk about symmetry and football, complementary football. Why do you think they had such low TFL totals and sack totals? Because their offense was ineffective. And those teams were running the ball effectively against them. Obviously, Weaver didn't have that same level, but BYU was taking it to them. They were stuck out on the field. San Diego State kept them out on the field for a long time, and they were throwing turnovers. So since then, since you plug in Cam Rising, you limit your fumbles. You don't throw interceptions. You've only thrown two on the season. You get big road wins against, obviously, SC, which you have never done since, like, 1918 or whatever it may be. But that's what helps the defense get refreshed to come out, pin your ears back, and play aggressive defense. And Mika Tafua, again, he's a beast. I'm really glad he came back for his senior year. I'm really glad Devin Lloyd came back. They All those guys could have easily left. Uh, Nick Ford could have left. Uh, they, they they knew there was something special here. Keithy could have left. Keithy could have left. And – we haven't even got into the, the three-headed tight end monster that I, I love this year. And so the defense is, is it's easier to play aggressive against the line of scrimmage when you're not stuck out there. Like people, any fan, does, they don't realize how miserable it is when your offense can't score points and you are stuck out on the field and the team is moving the ball and running it. And you're, doing, you're taking 17 play drives against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wears you out. You don't. You and don't. Twelve of them. You don't play. Thirteen are run plays. You can't get out on third down. It is. It is legitimately a misery. And for anyone who's never done a tug of war, which why would you? <laughs> playing defense when you're stuck out there is like playing legit tug of war. You are exhausted. You don't want to go back out. But you know what it is? It's your job. You're going to go back out. Yeah. And um, this Utah defense early in the year, they couldn't play offense. They couldn't score. They couldn't sustain drives. They were basically two for 14 on third down that was the difference in plugging cam rising and then in turn complimentary football helps the defense get tfls play more fresh and come up with big plays and how many times has devin lloyd come up with a big interception a big sack or mika to with a big sack i i, I just i love the balance of mm-hmm. this team more than ever uh this year in terms of offense and defense it's it's almost equal they're helping each other out, really coming out of that San Diego State game. They've gelled, and they've done so many things well. Last thing about the Oregon defense before we take a quick one, we'll, we'll jump into the Utah offense and more on the Oregon defensive side of things, or sorry, vice versa on that. But Oregon has gone out and got themselves to a plus, a plus eight turnover margin. So they're number 15 in the country in – in the turnover margin. Christian, they've collected 14 interceptions so far this year. 14 picks. That's a number that you circle. That's a unique number. It's a big number. That's a number that you circle. Is that something that, you know, if, if you gotta, you're going against a defense that's out there ball hawking, 
Is that something where maybe you don't see them attempt the pass as much? They establish the run, even though Oregon's a really good rushing, good rushing defense. Well, that's why this this matchup is so intriguing, right? The teams they play are usually spread offenses trying to throw it. Uh, Oregon's speed can get them into position to get interceptions and big-time interceptions when they need to. That's why Utah's run game is going to counter that. Their rushing defense is ranked very high. Obviously, Thibodeau off the edge is very strong if he's healthy. But I don't see Utah taking risky throws. They, they don't. They run first, and they use play action to some calculated throws that have been very successful with Cam Rising. Look at his production. I don't know if you want to pull up his stats for everybody, but this is what I, I've seen. Two interceptions on the year, 15 or 16 touchdowns. His completion percentage is above 60 65%. And he's, what I like is his decision-making. He makes the right play every single time and he's aggressive with his feet when he needs to be. And, again, that's what you want against Oregon. Oregon hasn't played against that. He's played against low-level quarterbacks that are trying to throw themselves through the game. DTR against UCLA and Oregon threw himself into some tr- into some problems. Into some, some, it kept him in the game, but then ended up getting injured. And then they're back up through a, 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 a late uh, interception to lose. So, again, you know this best, Hans, and the listeners may or may not know this. Football is a game of situations. It's really situational football. Mm-hmm. And as a defender, you know when there's times that it's third and eight and you know they're going to throw. As a DN, you're going you're gonna to do some things that you're going to take risks. And same with corners. They know and have seen presets when what does Utah like to do in a third and eight or what does Oregon like to do in a third and eight. And you play a little more aggressive to go, to go bait quarterbacks into interceptions, and Oregon has the speed to do it. But I like Utah's run game. To counter that, like Utah, yeah. uh, Oregon has not played a true running team that has just out physical them. Stanford didn't win that way. Stanford won throwing and and last second touchdown and threw a touchdown in overtime to win. So it's a beautiful matchup. Utah's got themselves to number eighteen in the country right now in rushing yards per game. Number eighteen. You think about how far this team has come and how much they've improved. We're going to jump over and go a little bit more specific to the Utah offense. That's coming up next. We're going to talk about that three-headed tight end monster that you're talking about, Christian. We're going to talk about this offensive line as it's molded itself into what it currently is. There was an injury out there. Actually, there was two injuries to starting offensive line linemen for Utah, Bills and Kump. We'll talk about that, how that's affecting the offensive line and what they're facing in this Oregon defense, that's all coming up next on the Utah Preview Show. We're live at Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray. If you are in the market for a new vehicle, get out here, ask for Rich, and explain to Rich what you need. Tell them what your situation is. Rich, you were just talking about deferring payments. And they're buying cars. So if I have like a 2013 Sienna minivan with – average miles leather seats with the dvd player and like you you're gonna buy it with cash melted crayons no it's no clean. okay yeah no that's exactly right yeah that would be a great car for us to have we'd love to take a look at a car like that so uh uh christian we'll see you what in about a half an hour yeah then, sure yes, yeah, that's yeah. great what, what car are you okay. looking at christian <laughs> i'm not looking for one maybe a maybe looking at a frontier oh come that's on you're always looking oh, i guess we always are we know. Yeah. always looking for something let's get you looking and then buying uh but uh honestly yeah we are paying cash for cars and we do need them and so if you have one to sell please please bring it down here so we can take a look at it and maybe make a deal for you and if you want to get another car with it that's that's icing on the cake too 
We sell them. That's what we mainly do. But we do have to buy them, so we got a used car lot that's just full of cars like we do right now. It's been a tough couple of years with this COVID situation. You know, people in financial issues and with credit card issues, and maybe you've got some bad credit going on. How how well can you work with credit situations here, You Rich? know, when you're a full-service turnkey operation like we are, it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in. Gold credit, the worst credit, doesn't matter. Everybody gets treated equally here. We're transparent. We'll take a look at your situation. I have a staff of people here that work with 100 different banks. If there's a way to get you done, no matter what your credit situation, a lot of people don't have any credit. Or they got one or two bad things on there and they don't have any good things. We'll get it done. There's a way to do it. And I have the inventory to get it done. So pick out something nice. I always have three or four nice cars to choose from. We're one of those stores, if you got a tough credit rating, you don't have to go to these small car lots where they finance you right there and, you know, you're worried about the car that you're getting. The beautiful thing about Tim Dolly Nissan right here in Murray is you're getting a car that's been through the shop, that's been tested out, that is a fine vehicle, that should be a great vehicle for you and your family and your kids. And you're getting that Tim Daly Forever warranty. Come down, Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray, 4528 South State Street. Ask for Rich. Ask for anyone in here on the sales floor. They're all great guys. You know, you, I know you look at them like family, and I sit here every single week, and I watch you guys work together, and it really does look like family. And I've met Tim Daly. He's a family guy. He is. Family-oriented guy. So if you're looking for that new car, you come see him. Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray, 4528 South State Street. We come back to more Utah Preview Show next. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. The whole way the game is being refereed, some people are saying, well, that's why three-point shooting is down. People have said it's the new ball. People say it's the way the game is being refereed. Definitely not the bloody ball. (laughs) All right. For our team, we actually talked about it the other day. Like, for us to have the record we're having and we're still playing reasonably well and winning games, those numbers you feel like are going to even out eventually. We, as a team, pride ourselves in trying to get the best shot every time. And I think if we keep doing that, then we're going to be getting open looks and overall we're a pretty good shooting team. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning on 97.5, 1280 The Zone at The Zone Sports Network. All Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Hans Olsen, Christian Cox, your Utah preview show. Frank Dolce out of town. Scotty G on the 1280 AM side of things, I guess. It's a nail-biter. Is it a nail-biter, Lloyd? It is a nail-biter. Utah State's up 73-71 with 37.9 seconds left in overtime. So it's already been pushed to overtime. Yeah. Don't leave us and go to 1280 and listen to that. <laughs> no. Stay here. Yeah, you're not stay interested right in a basketball Actually, it's a blowout. Game. Don't don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, you're not interested in a you got to stay right here. We got game. some nuggets for you on Oregon. Well, um, actually, gonna... you probably get a what the hell just happened moment, so you might you, you may tune in, I guess. Hey, let me know when this thing goes final. I am interested in the outcome on it, Lloyd. Oh, they but... just hit a three, by the way. It's 74-73, 27.9. Oh. No. So the University of we're Pennsylvania a, is beating Utah State. We're going to have a us. grumpy Scotty if this, if this doesn't turn around. Luckily, we won't talk to him tomorrow. Uh, no. 
oh, this is going to be grumpy, Scott. Um, Christian, you mentioned it, and I circled it and wanted to jump back to it. The three-headed monster at the tight end position. You said that you like all three of them. Do you have a favorite in the mix? I, I, I like Keithy. I always have. But Fotheringham has come on strong. In he's terms a blocking of, fool. He's, he's a blocking machine, but he runs that little block five-yard, I don't know, hitch or whatever you want to call it, yeah. to sit underneath that gets you six, eight yards. And then Kincaid is an awesome transfer. He is a guy that can catch anything that's thrown in his, his way. Keithy's not a, a traditional tight end. He's more of a, a slot receiver tight end type. Kincaid is, has a little more size, and Fotheringham has the actual beef and is a, a traditional blocker. But the three of them combined, they're the perfect mix. And I, I, I think they they stretch the field. And I think the way they use Keithy uh, in passing situations and sometimes giving handoffs uh, out of the backfield, I think it's perfect. I, I love how creative um, that Andy Ludwig has got with them. Um, it takes me back to the days, and people may or may not remember these names, but Colt Sampson was more of a traditional blocker. There was a guy named Chris Joparu, who was his brother played at Michigan. He was 6'10", was more of a traditional blocker, but he'd catch some touchdowns occasionally. Um, that's just how Andy Ludwig like, likes to use the tight end, and I, I think it's kind of a renaissance. They're, they're valuable in the NFL. Kelsey's proved that. Uh, Gronk's proved that. George Kittle's proved that. Um, it's a different position in Utah. I think there's two three-headed monsters. You got three-headed monster at running back, three-headed monsters at tight end, and then uh, Vele's come on uh, as a receiver. And so I think Utah's got very creative on offense. And one of my favorite parts about this season is how this Utah offense actually has identity and, and they know what they want to do and they're they're run first and play play action and, and do well with Britton Covey and everybody else. There were so many good things from the tight ends. So the week before against Stanford, the tight ends combined for one reception for nine yards against Stanford. One one target to those guys that are blocking their butts off. I had talked about it at length coming in Monday, Tuesday, and then in the preview show the, the following Thursday. Then they go out last week against Arizona, and I believe it's eight combined receptions amongst them. And they used them in different ways. That slip screen to Keithy. Yeah. I loved it. That slip Slip screen to Keithy at the goal line was awesome. The outside in game is one of my favorites. The screen game in general for Utah last week was bombshell. And Kincaid in the back of the end zone. It, they, it's it's a mix. It's it throws teams off. It's the perfect matchup. It, again, I, I think Andy Ludwig uses them at the right time with a screen game with the tight end uh, right before halftime. Uh, to Keithy is what you're talking about. It's brilliant. You only have four seconds. That's a very strong decision to say, hey, I'm going to play him out wide. I'm going to have Fotheringham and Kincaid both block. I'm playing three tight ends in my basically my trips formation. I'm going to motion because they're in man-to-man, and then I'm going to get a quick uh, a quick catch. Again, that's called watching film, knowing, knowing the matchup, and moving uh, 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 where you could have easily just kicked a field goal and been conservative. I just love how aggressive this offense is. That just shows that they believe in them. And that's, it's been a while since we've had that. In an effort to keep our listeners around and not jumping over for score watching, Lloyd, did you say it just went to double overtime? Double OT. That three-point shot, by the way, that they made to take the lead, it was reviewed and it was actually a two. 
So went down to 73, 73. Now we have double OT. Right. Hey, you can stay right here. It's uh, it's yeah. going to be that's yeah, it's in break minutes. over. It's, it's, it's probably it's, it's during commercial. commercial break right now. Anyways, it's going to be twenty more minutes. Nothing to see over there. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk a little bit about this offensive line. I think one of the outside of the defense really coming around, uh, it's starting to get pressures, playing the backfield like we've seen so many Kyle Whittingham's defenses do. I think that the Utah offensive line has come around. I think Cam Rising helps him a lot. But I think Nick Ford at center or guard. I yeah. actually like Ford at guard. I think Ford's an NFL guard. I agree. But you've got him at center. Then you had an injury to Bills. You put Ford at guard. You brought, was it Mahe? Mm-hmm. In at center. And you've worked in Bamo Sini at the tackle position. You lost Kump. But it feels like they've found some real continuity on the offensive line. That helps them quite a bit. And that's the hardest. Again, it's the most unbeloved, looked, overlooked position. But I love the physicality of this offensive line and the actual bend and athleticism. This is an, this is an athletic offensive line. This isn't a bunch of just large people that are unathletic and can't block. They can get downfield. And Cam Rising has not really been sacked since he's taken over the job. You haven't seen massive yeah. pressures He's nimble with his feet. He'll step up in the pocket. He won't just step up straight. He'll move over laterally. Uh, I really like the balance of this Utah team. The only the only glaring issue <laughs> is where they've been extremely strong in the past is special teams. This, the glaring issue is do you need a field goal to win? That might be a tough thing. Can you punt the ball without getting it blocked and giving up a touchdown? That's a big thing to watch. But other than that, for the first time, the offense is maybe strong or stronger than the defense where it's been special teams and defense and maybe the offense can keep you around. For now, between the depth of the offensive uh, weapons from tight ends to running backs to good receivers, how they use Britton Covey and how they use Vele, uh, I like this team. I, I like the matchup on Saturday against Oregon. Fast, physical versus speed. And if Utah can get up big, the biggest news, I think, is Tavion Thomas is going to be healthy yes. and playing. Yep. Um, I think he changes the spread. I think. I think. Um, I think he changes the game. He's a different runner than T.J. Pledger, mm-hmm. and just like the just like the tight ends, they all bring their strengths. The the running backs bring their strengths. Makai Bernard out of the backfield and pass play, extremely great. He's more of your Eddie Wide, but way more athletic. T.J. Pledger is a, a lightning in a bottle doesn't have the physicality that Tavion Thomas brings, and that's the type of hammer you want to be hitting down on Oregon's run defense. Tavion Thomas is hard to stop, and that's the type of attitude you want to start the game with to stop our run game. You haven't, we haven't, you haven't played tough physical teams like us. Let's see if you can. And Cam Rising, I think, will run zone read with Tavion Thomas eating up the middle. And I Again, there is a lot of chess that we're going to watch. I just I genuinely love the matchup on all fronts. Kyle Whittingham was on this station yesterday, or it might have been Tuesday, and had some great stuff to say to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. We're going to let you hear from Kyle Whittingham here in just a minute. The head coach at the University of Utah, I, I thought, was very open with some of his thoughts in regards to Oregon. Uh, he, he talked a little bit about what is making this Utah team really come together. So a great conversation coming up with Kyle Whittingham here in just a minute. So let's get to the bottom of this, Christian, because I think both of you, you and I agree. And this is just us stepping into the cleats. This is not anything other than us just looking at the 
bare bones of the game. This is just two top 25 teams, one number three in the country coming into Rice-Eccles Stadium. I think we know more about Utah than we know about Oregon at this point, but I feel like I know enough about Oregon that I feel comfortable saying that this is going to be more than just a good game. This is going to be, I think, an epic game. And I know the Vegas oddsmakers have Utah favored. I've got Utah favored. I want to know, do you have Utah favored? Now that I know that Tavion Thomas is officially playing, I would take the Skittles. I would take I, – I think the way you put it is perfect, Hans. I think we know more about this Utah team than we know about Oregon. Oregon just hasn't played in a tested environment since Ohio State. And what they did against Ohio State is so long ago on the road. You can't, like you, you said, we you, don't, we, we don't you, even remember. You don't. It's not even part of your season. As a player, you don't. You don't remember game one and two. It's are you getting better every single game rolling into, uh, you know, Pac-12 championships, winning conferences. That's how you have to be brimming. It's just like Tampa Bay last year. Tampa Bay was 7-5. and five. They won the Super Bowl because they got better in the playoffs. And for me, Oregon has not played well against Cal. They have not played against well against Washington, Washington State. Uh, they lost to Stanford on the road. I don't know how. Uh, like you said, it's an epic game. This is historic. I think the only downfall and sad part that I feel is Utah, if you didn't kind of not do well early in the season, your record, you are better than your actual record. You're one of the better 7-3 and three teams in the country, but nobody cares about a 7-3 and three team. And uh, they don't. Uh, but you're 7-1 and one in conference, where it's been the flip-flop in the past. Utah's won the preseason and stumbled two or three times in conference. This is the first year that if Utah wins, they beat Oregon and they beat Colorado, the first time that they've only had one loss in the Pac-12, and that's the hardest thing to go through in the conference. So for me, everything is lining up. I feel like this is completely different than these other built-up games like my senior year against TCU. We were a great team, but Andy Dalton's team was way better. This is not even the same matchup. Oregon is very, very strong, very, very good. But for the first time in a long time, I see more balance between offense and defense in Utah that I, I like the matchup. I like what Utah's physicality plus speed. Utah's just been physical sometimes. you got speed and physicality, and if you can come out on top early and set the tone with running with Tavion Thomas, T.J. Pledger, Britton Covey, some good zone read action with Cam Rising and making some big throws, you can, win this you game. can get up quick. You can win this and game. And you can do – what uh, Oregon hasn't experienced yet on the road. This is a winnable game. It is a winnable game. It's hard to, it's hard to say that just, because it's it's the third team in the country. I know. Like, this is the third best team in you the remember, country. You and I were on air together when when uh, Stanford came in as the, the fourth, fifth, fifth. Fifth. Yeah. Fifth, I think it was the fifth best team. It was team. the fifth best team. And Stanford came into Rice-Eccles Stadium. Drez Anderson. And got punched in the mouth. Bubba Pool. A-Rod was calling the offense. They had a really good scheme. Yeah. So it, it's very possible. I think it's likely. I think that Oregon is going to get a taste of nasty that they haven't had this year. And I, and I feel like Utah is primed and ready to take that next step. Then I hope that they can get themselves to that Pac-12 championship game and find the biggest and best thing they can possibly find for this team, which I think is the, the height of it would be the Rose Bowl. So we'll see how that goes. Christian, 
Appreciate you, brother. So good to have you back on air. And the, and the Utah fans have expressed as much. They well, love you. Well, thanks for having me, Hans. It's uh, always good to see you. They, we miss you, Scotty. I know you're on the other side, but it's always a pleasure to come come run some airtime with you. Hey, I will say we got to get a uh, we got to get you some milk for your <laughs> yeah, face. Some milkit.com. I was just looking at this. Obviously, uh, Amanda, it's a perfect Christmas gift, but uh, we'll have a, we'll have Camille send you. So for this anybody who doesn't stuff, for, huh? for anybody who doesn't know, my wife launched a business. We have five kids under the age of seven. She built this company with her mother-in-law. It's called Melkit, M-E-L-K-I-T.com. It's a face cream for men and women. Very strong Christmas deals, but Amanda will love it, so we're going to get you some. We'll, uh, we'll hear more about it, and uh, Christian, I'm sure we'll be in touch with you very soon. In fact, we'll probably have to come, have you come on and do a review of this game with us. I'm in. All right, that's Christian Cox, former Utah defensive end, and an absolute great man to come in and give me two hours of his time. We appreciate that. We're going to hand this thing over to Unrivaled after uh, you hear from Kyle Winningham coming up next. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. The whole way the game is being refereed, some people are saying, well, that's why three-point shooting is down. People have said it's the new ball. People are saying it's the way the game is being refereed. Definitely not the bloody ball. (laughs) All right. For our team, we actually talked about it the other day. Like For us to have the record we're having and we're still playing reasonably well and winning games, those numbers you feel like are going to even out eventually. We, as a team, pride ourselves in trying to get the best shot every time. And I think if we keep doing that, then we're going to be getting open looks and overall we're a pretty good shooting team. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Kyle Whittingham joined Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on Tuesday. He had some great stuff to say about this Utah team. I wanted to let you hear from Kyle since it's a Utah preview show. And they started out by talking about the big games that Kyle Whittingham envisioned. Is this one of those big games? Well, they're all big, and uh, we don't treat anyone differently than the other. And uh, But to answer your question, yeah, these are the type of opponents that when we joined the conference, we knew would be coming in here on a yearly basis or almost a yearly basis. And, uh, you know, every every Pac-12 home schedule that we have here has some, uh, you know, some quality teams that come in, and, and certainly this is one of them. So do you feel like you've got momentum at this point, three wins in a row, played really well against Stanford, Arizona was, I think, a lot tougher than most people expected. Does it feel like you've got momentum going into November? which has not always kind of been the case in the Pac-12? Uh, you know, I think so. I think so. You never know. You're only as good as your last performance. But uh, as you mentioned, we're riding a little three-game win streak here. And, and uh, offensively, actually about, uh, what, six weeks in a row now, we've, we've posted really good numbers. And so that's, that's been encouraging. Uh, but, but, yeah, I would say that uh, we have a little bit uh, of momentum on our side going into this one. Talk about your quarterback, Cam Rising, grabbing the reins, coach, and really running with it and it being a turning point for your team this year. 
Yeah, when we made that switch, uh, what was it, game three, I believe, towards the end of game three, uh, it seemed to provide a spark, and uh, he's really never looked back. I mean, he has performed exceptionally well for us. He's in the uh, top ten in the nation in, in uh, QBR, which is really what I use uh, as a coach to, to determine how your quarterback's playing, and and uh, he has just played outstanding, uh, taking care of the football, throwing the ball efficiently, and more than anything else, he's been a great leader for us. I think the two drives I looked at that I was so impressed with over the weekend was at the end of the first half, you know, the two-minute drill, really about a minute and a half, and he goes down and gets you a huge score going into the break. And at the end of the game, you needed to milk eight minutes off the clock, and he did and still got you a touchdown. I guess how difficult is it to be able to do both of those things as an offense and as a quarterback? Well, first of all, you're exactly right. Those were the two biggest drives of the game, and and uh, he handled both those situations flawlessly. And we went, uh, I can't remember, was it eight or nine plays in a minute and thirty or something like that to score that touchdown at the beginning of the, or at the end of the uh, first half, and then. Uh, at the end of the game, you know, we took over with 11 or 11 minutes or so on the clock, and uh, 15 plays and 75 yards later, uh, we got in the end zone and, and eight and a half minutes later, and uh, essentially put the game on ice, gave them the ball back with a couple minutes and no timeouts, and so uh, outstanding job. And it is, uh, you know, it's tough. I mean, you gotta you gotta uh, execute well. You've gotta have uh, great decision making ability. Um, you know, there's just so much that goes into those two scenarios and those two situations, and and uh, our offense as a whole did a great job in both those uh, situations. All right, Coach, I, I have a scorching hot take for you that I had the other day, and you can uh, you, you can take it and run with it whichever direction you want to go. But uh, strictly at the collegiate level, so setting aside the NFL, Devin Lloyd is the best defensive player who's ever played for you. What do you think? Wow, he's in the conversation. There's no doubt about that, but that's a pretty big statement. I mean, we've had some, some really good players come through here. Uh, Luther Ellis comes to mind, Eric Weddle, um, uh, Jalen Johnson. I mean, we've had some really good players, but, but Devin uh, is certainly right right at or near the top of that list. Uh, still got some work to do this year. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be the highest linebacker uh, draftee ever ever out of the University of Utah, and and uh, you know he looks like he's having an All-American season, and and uh, you know he's certainly in the running for a bunch of other accolades. So, so I would say that uh, may need to wait to the end of the season to All definitively right. answer right. that question. Fair but, enough. But uh, there's an argument for it, no doubt about it. Coach, you played that position. What what does he do that you know makes him rise above the rest? Man, uh, he's first of all, he's got all the tools you need to succeed there. He's, he's got length. He's nearly 6'3", uh, 240 pounds. He's got great speed. Uh, my guess is when he goes to the combine, he'll run you know close to 4'5". Um, he's instinctive. He's a, he's a film junkie. He prepares as well as any player we've ever had here. And uh, he's got a burning desire to be great. You put all that together, and that's who Devin Lloyd is. So on kind of a related topic, Coach, we know how important stopping the run is to you philosophically. How hard is that task going to be against the Ducks? Yeah, that's a that's a big uh, challenge for us, and they're doing a great job running the football, uh, nearly 230 yards a game, and uh, you know the quarterback run game element that they bring to the table is what really makes it difficult because that equates the numbers in the box. Unless you bring the safety down, you know it's going to be uh, equated numbers, which uh, means they got a hat for everybody, and and uh, that's going to be a big challenge for us is to stop that Q run game. Um, as well as you know the tailback run game, but when you, like I said, the the quarterback run element is what really uh, puts things in the offensive uh, advantage, and and uh, we've got to have an answer for it. 
Coach, I know I've heard you say this number before, but I think it's something like 90% of teams that block a punt go on to win a game. And if they score a touchdown off a block punt, I mean, the number goes even higher and you still found a way to win that game. How hard is it to overcome that and how do you fix it? Well, it is difficult to overcome, and, and uh, it is a high percentage, as you mentioned, and and it's in the 80 or 90 percent uh, percentile right there. But but uh, you know the the breakdown was evident. It's not a it's not a tough fix. We just got to do a, a better job coaching it, and that's where it all starts. And uh, we're going to work hard on it this week. I can promise you that. And uh, it's something that uh, has has showed up uh, a few times this year, and and uh, it's just got to got to be corrected, and, and it's on us as coaches to get that done. There you go, Kyle Whittingham with Ben Anderson and Jake Scott earlier this week. They did a fantastic job with that conversation. They love the block punt conversation right there, and Ben's right. Games turn the complete tides turn when you get a block punt, let alone getting a block punt and scoring on that possession. We are live at Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray. We want you to come down, check out these beautiful cars, and Rich, as always, is standing by to make sure that he helps you through the holidays. And you do have the holidays coming up, Rich. Does does traffic increase during the holidays? Yeah, traffic always increases during the holidays uh, because uh, people are cruising out of town, Maybe they don't want to get the new uh, snow tires, especially at this time of the year. So we get a lot of people that instead of investing in the older car that they have, they can get maybe the same kind of payment on the car that they're already driving that's maybe five or six years old, and they get something fresh, something that's been through the shop, that uh, meets all the safety standards, and has got fresh tires on it. So instead of buying for the old one, Come in, try and come in here with no money down, because who doesn't love no money down? Everybody loves no money down. Everybody loves no money down because they want to keep the money for the holidays. So they come in, they get a nice newer car, maybe five or six years newer, or maybe a brand new one for about the same payment they were making on the one that was sitting in the driveway. Come in and ask for Rich. Ask for the Black Friday deals and get the specifics on it. There are some really incredible promotions that Tim Daly Nissan is running right now. And, Rich, you can help people with them. Yeah, especially the 0% financing on the new cars. And if you're going with a used car, which we have 250 to choose from, uh, you can get the lowest rates that, are po- that, that have there have ever been in the car business. So uh, the car business is, is booming if you can find the cars. That's the biggest deal that's going on right now. We've never had such a shortage in the industry for cars. But the nice thing about Tim Dolly Nissan here in Murray is we have five buyers. That's all they do. And we buy a lot of cars. So we're constantly filling up the lot uh, with the cars that are leaving. We've already got 250 or so sold already this month. And we're probably going to break a record. Uh, So come on down and come see us. And, um, you know, if you haven't been here before, come and see me. I'll get you a $25 free gift certificate just for showing up. And, uh, you know, take a look at our uh, our electric vehicles as well. That seems to be the hot item now. If you looked Mm -hmm. at the price of gas, hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's up. It's up. (laughs) Yeah, it's up. You know, electricity is about the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you want to come in and get rid of that uh, that, uh, little bit antiquated now, the, uh, you know, the old gas engine, uh, say goodbye to it over the next 20 years, half the new cars sold are going to be electric. Come in and check out the Leaf. Come in and check out the Titan. It doesn't matter, but you come in and ask for Rich and those Black Friday deals. Take advantage of it. Rich, thank you. Thank you for being here. And, of course, the forever warranty. That's only here at Tim Daly Nissan. Big thanks to them. Big thank you to Christian Cox. 
and obviously, big thanks to Lloyd Cole putting together a great show. He always does. Join us tomorrow. We'll be back with it. In the meantime, we're going to hand this thing over to Unraveled. That's up next.